If you've got a Bible, I, uh, I'd love it if you turn to just Exodus 34. I've been looking at this little passage quite a lot. And someone phoned me this week, and uh, out of the blue, uh, I vaguely knew this person. She's a, a vicar. And uh, I said, hello, it's, it's Richard. And she said, I don't know if you can remember me. And I vaguely remembered her. And she, then she said to me, um, what do you think of Lorna? Lorna's doing the ch- children's work, so I don't know if she hear this. And because... Uh, and <laughs> She's great, why are you asking? Anyway, it turns out she'd been applying for a job and I did a little reference. And, uh, uh, but it was, it was great to be able to um, you know, commend someone, you know, be efficient, hardworking, intelligent, cooperative, you know, whatever. It's, uh, it was just a lovely opportunity to speak. But Lorna, lovely though she is, is not as good as God. And uh, Lee can, te- no, <laughs> I won't go there. Lee, Lee, her husband, can testify to that as well. Uh, but in this passage, we get an insight into the personality of God. I don't know if you have the opportunity. I write quite a lot of references, and you're kind of, um, it, it, it's quite a privilege, quite a responsibility as well, because you don't want to tell lies about people. Uh, but you, you're asked to give an insight. And this, this passage is interesting because it's not what someone else thinks of God because we have our opinions of people. It's what God thinks of God. It's his self-description. And uh, so we read in Exodus 34, in, uh, verse, verse 5, the Lord came down onto the mountain where Moses was in the cloud and stood there with him, with Moses, and proclaimed his name. When it says it's his name, it really means his character. Names are really important in the Bible. And he's, he's proclaiming his own name because the people of Israel, you remember, had come out of slavery, but really God had revealed himself to Abraham and he was kind of well, the God of Abraham. And so they're learning about him again. Who who is he? And Moses had this strong desire. I hope you have too. A strong desire to know what what God's like. And he prayed, "Show me, show me your glory. Show me what you're like." And in answer to that prayer, God talks about his character, what he's like. So he stood there and proclaimed his name, the Lord. He passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, "The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God." slow to anger. We looked at that last time. Uh, and then it's, this is the phrase I want to, to look at, abounding in love and faithfulness. So nothing uh, new this morning. I want us to look at the, that, that, those two phrases. He's abounding in love and faithfulness. Now, mo- most of us can be loving, but then sometimes we're not so loving. <laughs> most of us want to be faithful in the things we're doing and, and keep keep our word and so on and so forth. Uh, but, but with God, it's not just something he does when he's performing well. You all right, Colin? Don't spill your drink in the electrics. Was your hair a stand on end? <laughs> it's the entertainment. Are you sure? This is fascinating. <laughs> yeah, most of us, when we're, when we're on top form, thanks, Colin, ever so much, uh, but, uh, then we, we can be very loving, uh, we can keep him faithful, but then we have the odd days when we let people down, we have the odd days when we're not quite so loving. But with God, this comes out of who he is. This is not God on a good day, <laughs> this is his very nature, this is who he is, it's his character to be abounding in love and faithfulness. And those two words are what, what theologians would call them covenant words. Uh, in, in the ancient Near East, the covenant was a promise, but out of and in a relationship. We, we don't really do that now. We have kind of 
we have law and we have relationships and they tend to be a bit separate, don't they? Apart from, it's a little bit like, apart from when someone gets married, that's it, married. That's almost the only thing in our, in our culture here in the West that is, that is a legal thing, but it's also a relationship thing. And, and they're the kind of words he's, he's using here, that, that this is a kind of a, a legalese type word. He's loving and he's faithful, but... But, but it's also a relational word. And they're two words that in scripture often go together. This is their kind of first appearance together in the Bible. And they kind of explain each other, if you think about it. Uh, how, how do you show love? Some of us are married here, some not. Uh, but how, how do you show love uh, even in kind of, you've, you're on the kids rotor and uh, how do you show love well, by being faithful, by turning up, by preparing. That's how you show love. How, how do you express your faithfulness? Well, by, by being continually loving. So they're words that kind of amplify each other. One explains the other, uh, uh, verse, vice versa. And he says here, he's abounding, firstly, in love. And it's a Hebrew word, it's hesed, H-E-S-E-D. I think you say it with a but I, you know, I won't do that. <laughs> it can't be translated into one English word. And in different translations over the years, it's been translated as things like steadfast love. It's not just love, it's, it's steadfast love. It's, it's, sometimes it's translated as unfailing love in older translation or covenant love. We know Jesus said, God is love. And in, in these few verses here, where God describes his character, it, it's the only one that's repeated twice. He's abounded in love, and later on it says he maintains his love. Literally, he stands guard over his love like a sentry. He's abounding in love. And the repetition is to drive home a truth, that our God, your God and my God, is spilling over with love. He has an overcapacity of love. He's, he's spring-loaded if you like, with love. You know, there are some people, if, if you kind of poke them accidentally, what comes out is kind of bitterness. Or you poke someone else and what comes out is cynicism. You know, that is kind of, we all have our problems. Uh, but when, when you, I know you can't poke God literally, but, but, but when you provoke God, what spills out is love. A massive capacity to love us. And the second word is faithfulness. The Hebrew word is emet, but that doesn't matter. It's, it's related to the word for amen or yes. He's, he's faithful. We say it when we say a prayer, don't we? People say yes or amen. Or, and it, what it means is, yes, God, we, we agree. God, God is faithful. When we preach, we used to, I used to preach in a church in Sussex where, where I planted a church donkeys years ago, 1066-ish, somewhere around there. And uh, we used to have a little American lady. Uh, she's probably with the Lord now. And if you were preaching really well, she'd go, Amen! And uh, it was great, it was really encouraging. But if she thought she, she, you weren't doing so well, it wasn't so good because she, she'd go, Lord, help him! <laughs> and then you thought, ah, oh, this one's not going so well this morning then. <laughs> you kind of knew where you stood. She was a lovely Africa, African-American lady. I just found, I guess, a memory of that. And, but that, that kind of, yes, God, amen, amen, yes, that's right, that's true. You can count on God. He's utterly reliable, fully faithful. He, he's, yes, Lord, amen. We're not, you know, that's not very British. It's more African, isn't it? You know, it's, it's great. But, but, but that's how God is. He's full of faith. Is God loving? Amen. Yes, he is. 
He's full of faithfulness, abounding in trustworthiness, spilling over with it. We, we might say he's faithful to the bitter end. And she is faithful beyond the bitter end and loving eternally. So that, that, that little couplet, love and faithfulness, is hundreds of times in the Bible. We could probably go to two or three o'clock this afternoon reading out verses. But uh, let me just draw attention to one, Psalm 89. Uh, verse 1 and 2, I will sing of the Lord's great love, I think the authorised version says steadfast love, forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare your love stands firm forever. You've established your faithfulness in heaven itself. So this is the, the psalmist, Ethan, the Ezraite, Ezraite. Uh, he's, he's quoting Exodus and including it in this, in this poetry. Uh, and uh, he does it again in verse, verse 28. I'll maintain my love for him forever and my covenant with him will never, ever fail. So it's love and faithfulness. I'll establish his line forever as long as the heavens endure. Or verse 33, I won't take my love from him, nor will I ever betray my faithfulness. So it's full, if you read the Psalms, I, I love to read the Psalms, I'm regularly reading Psalms. They're full of this couplet, his love and his faithfulness. And, and it's all through the Bible in prayer and worship and poetry and song and theology. And, and, and that's true right down to the last few decades, isn't it? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. I won't sing. Don't want to empty the room. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. Great is your faithfulness. So, so that's, that's the kind of theological truth. And it, really, it should warm our hearts if we open our hearts. Isn't it great that you've got a God who's not moody? So, some people's gods, you have to keep on the right side of them. I'm not saying we shouldn't obey and honour God. We should. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. But isn't it great that, that you don't have to wonder whether what God said yesterday, he will still be the same today? Some, some of us are not, not so naturally reliable. God is utterly consistent. And what he promised, he will do. He doesn't promise, you know, with the best will in the world, sometimes I promise things and then I forget my notes. Then I'm stuck in a traffic jam. And, and, and so I, I kind of trying to be faithful and everyone's very tolerant. God, God's, you don't have to be tolerant of God. He's loving and faithful and true. Now, I, I, want, I want to refer to a kind of strange story here. And it's an example of God's covenant love and faithfulness. And it's in Exodus chapter 12. And uh, it, it's the big story of God's covenant faithfulness. So, uh, sorry, Genesis chapter 12. To it. And in this passage, God makes a covenant promise with Abraham. Abraham, And uh, four times he says, I will. So verse 2, Abraham's just been told to leave his country and go he knows not where. It's a step of faith and uncertainty and trusting God. And God says this, I will make you into a great nation. I will. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What, a, what an amazing promise. 
He's promising he'll become a great nation, that all peoples on earth will be blessed through the children and the descendants of Abraham. So God blesses a man who become a people and they bless the world. And you remember that Jesus is a descendant of Abraham. Now notice, because this thing about God being loving and faithful always is really heartwarming, but, but it also raises questions, doesn't it, for, for some of us? Because we think, well, if God is loving and faithful, how, how come I've got a long-term illness? If God is always loving, how come I, I don't know, had a miscarriage, whatever it might be, how come I've not mis- met Mr. Right? Or why is my life so un- unfair? And notice here that Abraham, the big story of God's covenant promises is not that God promises Abraham an easy life. He doesn't. He promises him a whole land. And do you know how much at his death he'd, he'd, he'd got for himself? He got the little plot of land that he bought to bury his wife. That's how, that's how much he actually got. But, but is God loving and faithful? Will he keep his promise? Yes, he, he did and he does. But, but, but there were lots of uh, prom- difficulties as he went through. And then in verse 10 and 12, something strange, strange happens. Ah, uh, yeah, sorry. In chapter 15, uh, verse 10 and 12, something really strange happens. And uh, uh, the Lord says to Abraham, being a heifer, a goat and a ram and a pigeon and a dove. And uh, Abraham brought all these to God and he cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. So um, if, if you can imagine, there's um, all these animals in a row like this aisle and, and he cuts them all in half. He's, it's all a funny story, isn't it? It's a bit odd. And, and he puts them in two, kind of all up both sides of both sides of the aisle. And as the sun was setting, Abraham fell into a deep sleep and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. And then God promises him, he says, for 400 years, your your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own. They'll be enslaved, they'll be Uh, ill-treated, but I'm going to punish the nation they serve as slaves. And afterwards, they're going to come out uh, with great positions Possessions, however, you will go to your ancestors and be peace and be buried at a good old age. And then in the fourth generation, your ancestors will come back here. And when the sun had set and the darkness had fallen, a smoke and brazier with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. A brazier and a torch going up the aisle between all these bodies. And Abraham's kind of half asleep in all of this. That's, and then he says to your descendants, I will give this Land And he kind of repeats the promise. Now, what's going on here is he's making a covenant. Now, of course, nowadays, if we make a legal agreement, we pop off to a solicitor. It's so much less bloodthirsty and much cleaner. <laughs> That's what we do, isn't it? We go to a solicitor. In these days, if, there was, if you were making a solemn covenant, what you would do is you would have some animals, you would cut them in half, and the two of you, if I was making a covenant with Josephine, we would walk up the aisle together. I won't make you do it. Walk, if Manuel was here, he'd be acting this all out, but he's not. So we would walk up between these two animals. And what we'd be saying, Josephine would be saying to me, and I would be saying to her, we're going to keep this promise, even if it kills us. May it be to us like it's been to these animals if we don't keep our word. That's... I mean, that's a kind of heavy event, isn't it? Really, it's a bit... It's a, you know, when I was a kid, we used to do uh, cross my heart and hope to die and silly things like that, mostly about if we're going to share our chewing gum or very rubbish things. But this was a solemn covenant. But, but do you know... So what God's saying is, 
even if you or your children fail to keep this promise, I'm still going to be loving, I'm still going to be faithful, and I will keep my promise. Because do you notice, Abraham's fast asleep. This is a promise made, but only God, in the, in, in the kind of symbolic form of, of the light and the smoking pot, God walks between the, the animals and says, I will, I will keep my word. You're fast asleep. This is a one-sided promise. I will do it because I'm God, and I'm full of love, and I'm abounding in faithfulness. Abraham, you can even just rest there. I'm going to do it. And this was thousands of years before the cross of, of Jesus. In fact, the, 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 those promises made to Abraham, the book of Galatians says, is the gospel given in advance to Abraham. It's an interesting interpretation of it. See, the rest of the Bible really is the story of Abraham's descendants trying and failing miserably to follow faithfully and love God with all their hearts. Sometimes they do well, mostly not so well. That's, that's the story of the Bible. But God faithfully keeps his promise. Why? Because he's abounding in love and he's full of faithfulness. It, you know, the Old Testament, if you read the Old Testament, it's, it's kind of full of murder. And, and then they repent and they do well for a time and then, and then they go downhill again because God is loving and faithful. And though the children and the descendants of Abraham aren't keeping their promise, God does keep his promise, even, even if it kills him, which brings us to Jesus. It all points towards Jesus. Jesus came to bless the world, a descendant of Abraham. Israel had failed to do their court, fulfill their calling to bless the world, but God is still willing to keep his promise. And Jesus on the cross, what was happening? He was taking all our failures. He was suffering in our place. He was, as God had promised, saying, you haven't kept your promise. Even if it kills me, I will bless all the nations of the world. Do you get the picture? Our hope is based, you see, on the very character of God. Isn't it? What hope do we have apart from that? God is loving and God keeps his promise. That's why we have hope. Hope's the confident expectation that God is good. And so good is coming based on his character. Even if we're not very faithful. You know that it says 2 Timothy 2.13, even when we are faithless, he remains faithful and he'll never disown himself. Even if our life doesn't pan out as we think it should, things go wrong, the kind of things I, I talked about a bit a few moments ago and, and other things too. We have setbacks, we take wrong turns, we get things wrong, bad things happen to us. God is still faithful to his word. So let's have a few so what's. As we, uh, as we conclude. The first is, let's, let's believe God's big promise to bless the world through his son and through his son's people. God has promised that he'll bless the world through Jesus and through his people, which is us. We, we, we will experience sufferings, tragedies. Jesus, Jesus actually said we would. Didn't he? You know, believing in God's love doesn't mean believing that nothing bad will ever happen. Bad things happen even to good people. We see that on, see it on our telly screens. Bad things sometimes happen because we're in a broken world with broken people. But take heart, he's overcome the world. He'll be faithful to that promise. He will bless all the nations of the world through his son and through his people. You know, maybe you've got specific promises that God has spoken to you. 
and you think, well, this is a long time coming and we're tempted to doubt. Now, let's weigh those promises carefully if they're prophecies and things like that. Weigh them up with other people. Those things can push us to the limit. But know this, God will be loving and faithful because he can't be anything else. That's his character. Praise the Lord. Amen? And, and here's, a, here's a kind of more challenging thought. That's a comforting thought. Let's be faithful. Let's, let's be like him. We're, we're on this earth to show people what God's like. Let's be faithful. You might say, what does it mean to be faithful? Someone spoke, I love this phrase, they said, talked about faithfulness is long obedience in the same direction. <laughs> I like that. It's just keep on keeping on. Let's just keep on keeping on. Let's be like God. God grows our character. It's not done overnight. It's not like a microwave meal. Instantly, we're, we're godly and faithful. God keeps working in us to build faithful obedience in us. Let's keep witnessing. If we're giving, let's keep giving. If we're witnessing, let's keep witnessing. Let's be like our God is faithful in every way. Let's be like the God we love. So I want to pray now and just ask you, just as we conclude, let's just thank God for being full of love. We don't deserve it, do we? Hands up, hand up who deserves God's love? None of us. None of us. Have, you don't have to deserve it. You cannot earn it. But, Lord, I thank you that you're unfailingly loving, that you're faithful to your word. I thank you that even when we're faithless, even when we let you down, even when we don't keep our promises or things go wrong, we thank you that you're utterly, utterly faithful. Thank you, it's who you are. Full of love, full of faithfulness. And I pray for anyone here this morning who's been uncertain about that, wondering, does God love me? I pray, Holy Spirit, that these truths, just simply stated, would burn in our hearts, that you'd come to us afresh and assure us of your loving faithfulness. Whatever life has done, thank you that when life is bad, you remain good. We thank you so much. Just a, just a question as we, as we finish, just for, for everyone really, just to consider, where has God called you to show his love and his faithfulness to others? This week, where, where can we show to others the love of God? Where has he called us to be loving and faithful? Father, we commit to you the things we're just thinking about right now. Those areas where we can, with all our faults and failings, show your love and your faithfulness to others. Thank you for your calling on us to be your people, to receive your blessing and to be a blessing to others. We ask you that we would be a blessing to others this week by showing and sharing your faithfulness and your love. We pray this in Jesus' name and we thank you for who you are and what you're like once more. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Richard. Um, so we're done there. Can I just encourage you? We've had a really um, a morning with loads of contributions, haven't we? We've had a, a great talk. Let's not 
now be, have so much in our mind that we actually forget it and we'll cut those doors and just get on with the rest of the week. So let's just, before we leave, just think, you know, is there one thing that you're taking back with you that you want to act on? It could be more than one thing, but don't, let's just not walk out the doors the same as we walked in the doors.